This is episode 52 of Ethics and Culture Cast from the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. Welcome to episode 52 of Ethics and Culture Cast from Notre Dame's DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. I'm Ken Hellenius, Communications Specialist at the Center. In this episode, we chat with Michael McGlynn, a filmmaker, musician, and the driving force behind AdoreHimDaily.com, a ministry that promotes Eucharistic adoration. We chat about the lessons that Michael learned as a player under Coach Lou Holtz, as well as the lessons that he has learned in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. Let's hop on to the Zoom machine for this fascinating conversation. Michael McGlynn, thank you so much for coming to be with us here on the podcast, even if it is virtually. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from? How did you come to Notre Dame? What did you study? Those sorts of things. In 1990, I was offered a full ride to Notre Dame to play football. I didn't even know where South Bend, Indiana was. And I'd love to say that I was this impassioned football player that had a lifelong goal of playing at Notre Dame or some great collegiate institution. But if you were to look in my locker in the football stadium, you would find pictures of guitar amps, guitar players. (laughs) My currency really was music, whereas the other guys would have pictures of different athletes and Nothing wrong there at all, but it wasn't the trajectory, at least I thought that I was on. I actually had a job as a cameraman on the U2 tour after graduation and had no idea what I would be met with after the football season ended. Back in those days, you know, it was a different deal with recruiting, so it was quite a surprise. Uh, I made the trip to Notre Dame, and actually Aaron Taylor and I were the first two players to commit on the first weekend that we could go visit. I believe it was a blue and gold game and we were roommates and I chose the university. I wish I could say because it's Notre Dame, uh, but I chose it because I fell in love with alumni building and the gargoyles. (laughs) This is so cool. And the campus was small. I went to an all guys Jesuit high school in Kansas city. I am from Kansas city, Missouri. And born and raised Catholic, uh, my great uncle, uh, Uncle Charlie McGlynn, just passed away this uh, past November. He'd been a priest 54 years, so I grew up with family masses and, and, and all that. So this was a great joy for my family. It was fulfilling an obligation for me, though. And I wish that I could say that I took a different posture, perspective into this. But to me, I had to put aside my artistry, my desire to learn audio recording and to pursue a life as a recording artist and say yes to this incredible opportunity, Notre Dame. So that happened in 1990. What were a few of the lessons that you learned as a player uh, under uh, legendary coach Lou Holtz, of course? Yeah, the first lesson is show up on time. My sophomore year, I missed the flight to Hawaii. It's one thing to be late for a meeting. Uh, It's another thing to perhaps even forget that you missed a meeting. 
but it's an entirely different matter to realize that you have actually missed a transcontinental flight to Hawaii with the team over Thanksgiving when no one is on campus. Oh. <laughs> this glorious event happened my sophomore year. And it, to this day, I still have a certain level of petrification and, and I guess you would call it PSD with regards to not being on time for things because that was an amazing moment that morning to wake up and realize that I literally did miss the bus and the airplane. (laughs) One of the most important things that I learned, started to learn at Notre Dame as an athlete, and I've really started to embrace this in my life today as a husband and father is the need for rest and having extended periods of rest for the body, the mind, and the soul. It's absolutely essential. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that Coach Holtz impressed upon all of us was to do little things with great care and attention. Uh, the second thing I always think about was trust, love, and commitment. I mean, he was really, really big on this. Trust, love, and commitment. You really have to trust the people you're with. You have to demonstrate your love for them by doing the right thing. And ultimately, in the, the approach that you take uh, to the game and the care you show for your teammates, the ones you, the ones you, you laugh with and you cry with, is going to be found that commitment. And the last thing was really WIN. He had this an acronym, WIN, do what's, you know, really what's important now. And I love that because when I look back on it, you know, I, don't, I know Coach Holtz was and is today a, a very spiritual man, a very devout Catholic, and, of course, his, his wife, Uh, Beth, God rest her soul, she was too. I don't think that he fully realized, though, that in passing on these, these small but important items that were easy to grasp, that help us focus and kind of understand the dramatic focus of the day, he was really showing how to become a saint. That was one of the things that I really remembered. So when people ask me about Coach Holtz, I'm grateful that I that I have known him and that he was my coach and that we had a great relationship. But I'm especially grateful that he helped lead me to God at a time that I didn't fully even realize he was. Quite the testimony. Quite the man, truly. Truly. It's you don't come across people like these very often. And I'm delighted that in his latter years that he has had the courage and the boldness to really speak up about the importance of his faith and the life that God wants to give us when we just simply follow his commandments and statutes with love and fidelity, humility, obedience, uh, with a care for each other. Well, let's talk a little bit about your new apostolate, Adore Him Daily. What's it about? What inspired you to launch this ministry and this message? Yeah, so the short story on it is Adore Him Daily is an all-digital platform online using the power of story to promote the life-changing benefits of Eucharistic adoration. So basically, we've created uh, what looks like almost a Netflix online of short films and talks that are not just for me, but, but films and talks that I'm curating as well. And in one way or another, they promote not only specifically the practice of Eucharistic adoration, but they are promoting adoration as a way of life. You know, uh, this has been a big discovery for me the last three years as I've set on this journey to be a daily adorer of the Eucharist, something that I was called into by the Lord. And 
what I've discovered about this journey is that much like when Paul says to pray without ceasing, one of the very first items in our catechism is to adore God. We have just come out of the pronounced season of adoration, and yet adoration is a continual season because it demonstrates an orientation, a disposition to Jesus. And Jesus is fully disposed to the Father. So Jesus, so essentially, if we back up a little bit, Our Lady walks us to her son. I mean, the church is contained within the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Literally, she bore the church inside her. And so Mary brings us to her son. And the more time and capacity that we give to Jesus, he brings us to the Father, which really completes our journey and our union to God. And it's only through Jesus that we can come to the Father. And this is so important for us that especially like, for instance, men is an example, men who are fathers. Well, before you were a father, you were a son. When a man can begin to see himself as loved as a son of the Father, everything changes in your life. And this has been one of the primary fruits of adoration, and it's why we're trying to get the story out to all people, but especially to men, that we have a tendency in our culture, I've just kind of heard a rumor, that to tend to load a lot of things on our shoulders and kind of rely upon ourselves a little too much, and we wear ourselves out, and then we we medicate that weariness in ways a lot of times that are that are not healthy for us and our families, and we never thrive the way that our blessed Lord wants us to thrive. And I feel that adoration today is taking on almost a prophetic sense, uh, an opportunity for our priests to be renewed, an opportunity for God to restore order in our families, even if you're a single parent or whatever's happened. And then, of course, for us also to do what the Jews understood really well, and that is to atone for sins, that sin and the consequences of sin are very real. One of my favorite gospel stories is when the friends of the person that can't move tear the roof off and lower their friend, and it was Jesus say, your sins are forgiven. And it was on their love, on their intercession, on their adoration, on their atonement for this person's sins that Jesus in his excessive mercy takes care of everyone that day and works a miracle. In my research about adoration, I was led one time by the Lord in prayer to look upon the stories that I knew in sacred scripture where the Lord asked someone to do something. In every instance where the Lord asks us to do something or when he asked someone to do something, he performs a miracle. Every single time. And I think the first miracle that takes place in all these settings is the miracle of our own tepid hearts, where we become more confident in him. And so to bring it home, adoration as a way of life should have one primary effect in us. And it's remediating what happened in the garden, what was lost in the garden. We lost confidence in the Father. We lost confidence in his goodness and his deep personal love for us. And this is what Jesus wants to restore as our brother and show us the father. And he wants to do this on earth. And I believe adoration is one of the ways 
that he's doing it because it has the effect of making our confessions better, our masses better, our everything better. And the effects that it's having on me and my relationship in the home with my wife and our children is absolutely transformational. It's nothing, it's not what I'm doing. It's what he's doing for me. And that's the big pivot that we're trying to share with people. Obviously, your reflection there is born out of the time that you yourself have spent in adoration, right? I mean, these deep connections, these understanding of the power of adoration is a fruit of adoration itself. It can only be born by example and by experience. On Adore Him Daily, you have, as you said, you have short kind of videos, and some of them are interviews or or insights from other people who are themselves into adoration. Where are you finding these people? That's a great question, Ken. Uh, some, a couple of them I, I knew within my reach, but others that I, I've come across. And, and so from the get-go, this has been a work that is the Lord's. I, I, can, I, can, I can say that completely, this is his work. And I, and I work hard in the vineyard trying to care for it as it is his work. This, what I've shared with you today and, and what we're doing did not come from some of the types of creative strategy meetings that I'm accustomed to doing <laughs> and doing films and stuff. Yeah, there's, there's real specifics and things that have to be managed but the focus and the intent is really otherworldly, and it's been an ongoing discovery. You mentioned uh, earlier, uh, before we began, Maximilian Colby, you know, someone dear to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, over three years ago, I was in Chicago at the National Shrine of Maximilian Colby giving a couple of, of talks and, and music concert talks uh, up there. And it was on the last day that I had a number of people coming up to me, and I just kind of walked away from that moment saying, Lord, you're trying to tell me something, and I, and I don't know what it is. So on the drive home to Kansas City, I decided that I would up my adoration, which I'd been an adorer since 1998, primarily a weekly adorer, and I would increase my visits to the adoration room to listen maybe two, three times a week. Now, this was a big proposition for me because at the time, my wife was still working outside the home. I'm self-employed. So by three o'clock every day, I'm picking kids up, going to the grocery store, doing dinner. She's not home until six. I love to cook. So this was not a crisis of obligation, but it was posing a challenge in the sense that, can I give up a little more of my morning? And I decided to say yes. Well, within no time, I was able to discern what the Lord asked of me, but there was a lot more. And within a couple of weeks, I was all of a sudden going daily. I just couldn't get enough. And I was beginning to experience some really important things about my own life and and even how I run my business and how I stress about this and worry about this and all these different things. And and so the room that I was going to was a room that my my dear uncle, who just passed in November, had built onto his parish. The room was glorious. So, So to go there in the morning on a sunny day was just, it was beautiful. So I started taking pictures of this room. And I was sending him to family and friends and saying, you've got to do this. This is amazing. This room is gorgeous and there's so much peace. And I just wanted people to start to experience what I was experiencing. I called a friend of mine who was in marketing one day and I said, okay, look, I don't know anything about Twitter, but I want to start a Twitter account and I want to start putting these pictures out and maybe it will, maybe it will grow and other people will share their pictures of adoration. I mean, it was completely ridiculous, but I said, I need a name. 
A couple of days later, he came back to me and he said, Mike, I've got an idea for you. I got a name. Why don't you call it Adore Him Daily? And I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing because it's a call to action. So then I'm like, Lord, you know, I need a tagline. You know, the, you know, the work I'm in. I know we need a tagline. And it, and, and it came because he adores you. And that really, from the get-go, was integrated into the name of how intimate this work is, that this is a work that stems from the merciful heart of Jesus to reassure us of his great love for us. If the crucifix was not enough, which it should be, if the passion, death, and resurrection of the Lord, if the real presence of the Lord is not enough for us, if his words in the Gospels to us are not enough, which they should be, Our Lord does not hold that over our heads in judgment, but he continues to come to us in mercy while there is still time. And so that became Adore Him Daily. And all of a sudden I started to discern, Lord, are you wanting something more than, because we never launched a Twitter thing. I think we set up an account. I never did it once because I felt the Lord was doing something more. Well, three, three years later, Adore Him Daily has been born of listening, just listening, and stepping forward, and Him arranging things. Some of the great fruits of adoration that I have experienced, now I'm trying to do research on this because (laughs) the authority has to be a lot more than a married dude that makes films for a living raising three teenagers in the Midwest, (laughs) okay? (laughs) I don't know. There's There's a lot of experience there that you're bringing too. I know that, but but what does what does our church say? What what do the teachings? What do the what do the fathers, the holy fathers, say? And so I've begun to research this about what is to be gained from adoration as a as just a formal education. But for me personally, though, I know that uh, the Lord would and still continually will reveal beams in my own eye that I didn't know that I had, and as a a guy that goes to confession frequently, daily mass, lots of prayer. That's astounding to me that I thought that I saw and heard rather clearly, but yet there was so much more he wanted to do with me because it's kind of like my friend that came over the other day and we were visiting and having coffee. And he goes, you know, Mike, I'm praying the rosary again. I'm really cleaning up my life and overcoming some things. And he said, but I think I figured out what my problem is. I don't have any joy. I said, okay. He says, what should I do? (laughs) And I, I didn't really have anything better than to say, well, if you don't have joy, then go sit in front of joy. If you don't have patience, go sit in front of patience. If you're struggling with impurity, go sit in front of purity himself, because this is the primary takeaway from adoration that I see. It's not what I am doing. I've lived most of my life taking credit for whatever I've done and and arduously working to cooperate with God's grace. Jesus told me three years ago in so many words was, Michael, lay your weary head down upon my breast like John did. I want you now to hear my heart. I want to now serve you. I want to give you rest. You don't have to work as hard as you have been. And I will tell you, when I went into that adoration room three years ago, I was becoming very weary spiritually. I wasn't really sure what 
I was really losing creativity in terms of what do I pray for my wife today and our children? And I, so what framed my spirituality going into those early adorations was I needed to discern what the Lord was trying to tell me. But then in addition, I knew that Mary was there as the first adorer. And I just gave her my family. I said, Mary, I don't know what my wife needs. I don't know what our children need, but I said, you do. And so does our Lord. I said, will you please obtain for them all the graces that they need this day? I am here to pray and I'm here to atone for my sins, but I'm also here to pray and atone for their sins. And each day I would open up the roof and lower them into the Lord. And the effect has been unbelievable. Truly, that's the point of adoration is to help a soul realize a little bit more each day how much they're loved because your life will change and the lives of those whose care has been entrusted to you will change. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all that, you know, everything else is just do it. <laughs> so adore him is our main website, but adore him is our platform. Uh, and people have to sign up to, to gain access, but it's free. And we have um, lots of films up there and more to come. We want people to watch these films, to share them, but we want them to adore and realize the goal is actually not adoration, just like the goal is not mass. The goal is to know you're loved by God, and that changes everything in your life. In this ongoing period of, you know, lockdowns and pandemic restrictions and things, you know, our churches are are locked or restricted and we can't go. What are some ways, some practical ways that people can adore Christ even if they can't make it to church to to uh, kneel or sit before the tabernacle? That's a great question, Ken. On there was a time during the pandemic where everything was locked down in Kansas City and the the beloved chapel I went to was locked down as well and as it tore at so many of our hearts of how this could happen. Uh, I got creative and I found on uh, on YouTube uh, that they stream the Vilnius Chapel from Lithuania where the actual divine mercy image hangs over. And of course, they've got a flood of masses through there all day. But if you catch it at the right time, they have adoration going on. Now, you know, look, all of us, wherever we are, can stop and become present on the Lord it is a lot easier to adore the Lord in front of his real presence for many, many different reasons. But if one finds themselves not in a situation of being able to do this, the disposition and orientation to Christ in the Eucharist can be, be done anywhere, even if you don't have an internet connection. And so we should never feel inadequate because our Lord is not limited by anything other than our own will saying, I don't want you to enter into me today. So, but hopefully people will be able to go and to trust our Lord and to, um, to be bold and to, to be courageous in that way, to go, to find a chapel, to beg your priest to open up your chapel. That's part of what we want to do is encourage people to, you know, I see a time where the, where these priests are going to have to open up, Church is more for adoration because the laity are going to be demanding it. And I believe our Lord wants to do this. Uh, believe that this is going to be the primary. 
primary means that will bring about as we begin to to enter into kind of this new era of it. We're kind of in this, we've left Christendom where the culture supports uh, Christianity. And of course, this is what the, the Nicholas Center does. This is the work that you guys do. But we really are in this apostolic age, much like the early church. And it, it, I also think at the same time, we're going to enter into the Eucharistic age uh, as we near closer to, to the Lord's arrival. And I think our Lord wants to be known and adored and I have no idea why he's choosing laity to bring this about, other than the fact that we seem to be readily available to help our priest at this hour and to love them well by doing this. Well, Michael McGlynn, Apostle of Adoration, you might say, thank you so much for kind of guiding us through this. And, and thank you so much for undertaking this ministry and this apostolate, because I think that's, like you say, the, the goal is to help people meet Christ and to understand that he loves them. So thank you so much for, for that. Thank you for allowing me to be on here. It's great to, great to chat with you. It's, I want to thank you for the work that you and the center, the the, the Nicholas center are doing to, to bring the faith out. Uh, And this new series that we just launched on adore him daily. I want to encourage people to watch it. It features father James Mason and he gives a real powerful testimony, his own priesthood, just about realizing that, wow, I've been in the tomb most of my life as a priest waiting to tell people about Jesus here. And he goes, I got to walk out of the tomb now. We have to step out and trust our Lord. Acts chapter four, the apostles pray for one thing, boldness. And this is what our Lord, I believe, really wants to pour into our lives today, boldness, to be confident in him who leads us and whom loved us first. And so much of the work you do at the center to promote life and and dignity requires profound boldness. So may you guys be blessed in your work as you walk forward as well in this important ministry. Thank you. We will, we will try. We will pray for that. Thank you to Michael McGlynn. Find links to adorehimdaily.com as well as some of the other projects that he has produced in the show notes. Subscribe to Ethics and Culture Cast so that you can always get the latest episodes by visiting ethicscenter.nd.edu slash podcast. We would love your feedback. Please review the show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, and email your suggestions to cecpodcast at nd.edu. Our theme music is I Don't Know by Grapes, licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We'll see you next time on Ethics and Culture Cast. Until then, make good decisions.